Hey there, and welcome to the daily podcast where wisdom smacks us with kisses or love taps. I'm Michelle Spiva, a wisdom strengthening coach, your host, and practical priestess of wisdom. Join us daily to gain wisdom and mental strength as we tackle innovative thinking, address emotional and behavioral life traps, and yes, provide you with some practical how-tos to wrap it all up. So settle in or crank up the speed 2x, whatever gets your mental processes firing as we dive in. Stay tuned. Hey there, it's Michelle Spiva, your practical priestess of wisdom with today's podcast of Wisdom Smack. Please, please, please pay attention to me right now because we're going to be talking about a list of some of the things that only the wealthy recognize. Now, you're going to want to stick with me on the flip because this is going to be eye-opening. They move differently. Oh, yes, they do. They move differently from the masses and we're going to be giving you some things like the trinity of self we're going to be talking about some good stuff that will if you take it to heart will put you on the track to being able to be wealthy as well so i'm going to see you on the flip hey there it's michelle thank you so much for sticking with me today because this is going to be uh a time where I'm going to be going through an assemblage of a lot of things that wisdom has helped to uh, hone and chisel into my understanding over the last, I'm going to say the last decade. And this is not exhaustive. I had to, you know, say, okay, how much, you know, can I present in this amount of time that we have today. So let me stop bumbling and talking and get to the point. So here are some of the things that only the wealthy recognize. So first of all, I want to uh, define how we're looking at wealthy. And wealthy has nothing to do with money. Wealth has to do with affluence. Now, I had a previous podcast where I talked about the different fluencies. And uh, if you want to check that one out, that one's called uh, A Matter of Fluency. And fluent, like when people talk about uh, speaking fluently in, in a language, or confluence, meaning coming together of two or more um, things that are in like um, with especially water, um, then you have influence. Most people are familiar with that one, but they think that influence is something we do. And instead, influence is something that comes through us to channel. So it comes into us and thus we channel it. But then there is an effluence and the effluence is about expelling out or ex. Influence, getting rid of the stuff that's used up we don't want to you know have anymore but then this is the one that we're focusing on today and that is affluence aff you know affluence meaning abundance meaning uh things that come to you as a gift because of the others working on you ain't wisdom something i love them so now that we've got that established and we're going to be talking about how the affluent work and what they recognize and, and and only what they can see that a lot of people can't pick up on. And not only what they recognize, but what they operate in, because you recognize what you are. 
Okay, so let's go on and do this. Thank you for letting me have that um, introduction to get us uh, on one accord. So one of the things that they recognize is the quiet assurance of self-confidence. And the quiet assurance of self-confidence looks to most people like humility. My grandmother used to teach me that the difference between humility and arrogance was that with the humble, you know and are certain of what you can produce and what you're what you're good at and what you've perfected. So you have this confidence, whereas the arrogant believes in a falsity. They believe that they can do something that they can't, or they're not even sure if they can do it, but they want to project like they can. And so the wealthy recognize true self-confidence because it, it looks like, and I don't want to say it masquerades because it doesn't masquerade because it, it looks like humility to, humility to us, but to the wealthy, it looks like what it really is, a quiet certainty of your self-confidence. The next thing is they uh, are able to quickly recognize self-awareness. I remember hearing one time, um, Oprah Winfrey was talking to, uh, uh, someone. And she said, you know, the thing that I like about you, and um, I, I want to say she was talking um, to, uh, well, it doesn't matter. Um, it, he's a, a music producer, <clears throat> excuse me. And um, she said, the thing I, I like about you is that you are very dialed in. You have a sense of self-awareness. And I kind of chuckled because I knew that they were having a higher conversation than the average listener would recognize. And that is because when you are affluent, when you have worked to the point to get yourself into a position of always being in the flow, and we'll talk a little bit about that as well, of always being in the flow of advancement, of abundance, you become very aware of who you are. You become very aware of how to be efficient, effective, and to plot a course that continues to keep you dialed in. And the fact that she used that word, dialed in, I was like, oh, okay. So they're having some little affluency speak here. Very, very, very good. So they are very aware of when a person uh, is aware of their path, of their journey, of also their shortcomings, their shadows, their weaknesses. And the reason why that's important is because <clears throat> the affluent don't like to have weak links around them because they can be corrupted. And they, uh, if they become too close to those weak links of people who have blind spots, who, are, who have not done the work, to know who they are, and they allow them into their inner circle, it could cause the affluent uh, damage, destruction, and danger. So they recognize when someone is dialed in or self-aware. Now, this is the one that I am going to possibly do, and then, well, there are a few of them, I'm going to possibly do an entire podcast to them because they're just so needy in what they uh, show us as a lesson. And that is, they relish in, rejoice in even, and give respect to when there is the presence of the possession of the Trinity of self. And that Trinity is self-restraint, self-control, and self-management. 
And I know you're like, well, what's the difference? Well, with self-restraint, that is when you are able to recognize and arrest that first emotion of anger or fear that rises up when faced with a surprise or an unexpected situation. So self-restraint is that part of a person that immediately rises up to help you stay focused, stay in your body, and respond in a wise way. And then the next one, self-control. Self, where, where is self-restraint helps you to deal with the surprises and the emotions that happen in a wise and effective way of action. Self-control is that part of the Trinity that is ongoing all the time, working on you. And the thing about the self-control is that it works on your choices. Because every day, in every way, at every moment, we're making a choice. We make a choice whether we continue to sit and watch a show, or if we get up and go outside and do something, or if we take care of our taxes or whatever it is. And so self-control really sits in with us, always there to help us to stay in in an area that we're going to be talking about real soon, staying, I call it staying in your pocket, where you're able to uh, make the best of your choices more uh, often than not. Because, I mean, come on, you're not an automaton. You're going to miss it sometime. You're going to do some things because you're still human. But people who possess this self-control tend to do very well in their life choices on a daily. And then the next one is self-management. And the self-management is about when you are working with those choices, how you prioritize your life, how you have a both a 30,000-foot view of your direction and your path, as well as the granular down to the nitty-gritty of the actions that you do and you don't do to be able to be effective, efficient, and to meet the goals that you want and you set because you're self-aware, you're locked in. And so the possession of the, of the trinity of self, self, self-restraint, control, and management are powerful. And I could talk about self-resiliency, but we'll get into that uh, if we have time. But that's in a, a, another realm of self. But as long as you have these parts, I call these the maintenance. These are the three that help you maintain who you are uh, in excellence. The wealthy always recognize that. Okay. The next one is when you found your pocket. And when you found your pocket, it's where you start moving into uh, a flow. We're going to talk about the power of flow in just a minute. But when you found your pocket, you know how to neither hoard nor foolishly sacrifice. Now, yes, there is a lot of sacrifice that help that uh, happens in our life, but it doesn't have to be foolish. It doesn't have to be foolhardy. Um, and all I'll say about foolhardy sacrifice is when you are sacrificing for something that has really nothing to do with the price of tea in China. It has nothing to do with you. It's just something that you're doing because either society is doing it or you've been sold a bill bill of goods to say that this is what is expected of you. There are a lot of people that sacrifice every day for stuff that doesn't even really matter. So again, when you found your pocket, you need the hoard meaning that you're not greedy and uh, and, and, and um, 
you're not trying to uh, stop the flow because that's really what hoarding is. Hoarding is about stopping the flow of something. Nor are you foolhardy by uh, sacrificing that which depletes you, which does not give you something back in return. And that brings us to the power of flow. Oh, yes. So when you have grasped onto the power of flow, it puts you into wealth because it is continuous. That is why the affluent are always in the flow of abundance because they understand how to neither hoard nor foolishly sacrifice. They understand how to be in possession of themselves, to be in restraint, control, and banishment. They are purely self-aware of and continue to work on the self-awareness of making sure that they maintain their health. They maintain uh, keeping light all around them to see those uh, those hard truths about self, the shadow sides and the things that the average person would rather push into a closet than tackle. And they walk in humility because of their certainty of what they are confident in, okay? So with this flow, this power of flow, it is about that fluency, the affluency that we are talking about. And this is something that when you recognize a flow, a good flow, you'll also recognize that the polarized are doomed to perish. So if you would want to be wealthy or if you would want the wealthy to recognize you and bring you into their fold, you would learn that polarization, meaning that you are on team this person or team that person, and that you cannot open your eyes, open your mind, open your views, your perspectives and perceptions to see different and various ways of looking at something, you are polarized and you are doomed to perish because you are now an instrument for those who are not chained to a ball of polarity to use for their benefit. So if you are a person who is always on this or always on that, never changing, stubborn, you are polarized and thus you do not operate in the power of flow. And thus you are anathema to the wealthy, they do not. Mm-mm. They 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 won't they won't fool with you. They need people who are flexible, people who know which side to be on at the right time. Because remember, they need people who have found their pocket. How to be neither hoarding nor uh, foolhardy sacrificing, and that means you kind of have to be able to bob weave, serpentine, <laughs> move, and know when the timing is right. Because the wealthy understand excellent timing as well. Okay, so the next thing is, is they understand how to pivot and that comes into this excellent timing. They know when to give it up, when something is exhausted, when it's time to move on, uh, when it's time to change, update, or even when to bring it back down a notch. And it's time to go back to the basics and the fundamentals. And when it's time to make sure that you bone up on the basics and the fundamentals. 
And because of this, the wealthy recognize how to type, tap into higher thinking. And when we talk about higher thinking, we're talking about, you guessed it, wisdom. So when they tap into higher thinking or when they recognize it in someone, wisdom is the ability to shift your perspective of an idea, a thing, or a situation. Because remember, if you are polarized, you are already broadcasting that you're not a person uh, in the in the fold of wisdom. You're not a person who seeks out wisdom. Because when wisdom comes, wisdom starts to make you self-aware of all that crap that you need to deal with and gives you the strength and the power to face it. Wisdom makes you start to possess the trinity of self. Wisdom starts to help you to recognize when you are being too pig-headed on one stance and that uh, you're thinking that it'll never change when all we really do have is change. So they understand how to tap into it and they understand when you know how to tap into it. Uh, As I said, wisdom helps you to shift your perspective of an idea, thing, or situation. And also, wisdom impacts your ability to better manage your emotions and your thoughts. So remember when we talked about self-management? It takes wisdom to do that. Because wisdom is not going to always have you do the same thing all the time. Wisdom is very creative and wisdom knows how to go with the flow. Wisdom has you. When it comes to what to do, when to do it, and how to do it, it takes wisdom. Okay? And speaking of that, Wisdom, let's talk about uh, how when you're truly dealing with the wealthy or you're wanting to become wealthy, you get to this point where you there, there is a lack of confusion about the difference between fortitude and wisdom. Too many times people, plebeians, if you everyday Joes, however you want to call them, uh, uh, base-minded sheeple, I don't want to be rude, but you know, sometimes you just got to call it like you call it, who think have this puffery that they're doing something. And I mean, I'm guilty of this. Come on. Why do you think we're talking about this? Um, There is a a tendency to exchange or confuse or supplant wisdom with fortitude. So fortitude is that mental and emotional strength that we have that comes. It's grit. It's your guts. It's dealing with adversities. It's what we call heroic and uh, strong and admirable uh, character. And it is that's true. But the thing is, is all of those things, that mental and emotional strength, that strength of character, fortitude, is not wisdom. It's not. Because it is all about dealing with inner self, dealing with what you have to do. Even if you become a cheerleader for other people, even if you teach them how to have mental fortitude, that is not equated to wisdom. Because wisdom can contain and should, not should, it does, contain fortitude. So fortitude is under the umbrella of wisdom because wisdom also carries with it discernment, insight, knowledge of what is true or right. And that is coupled with uh, just judgment that moves you into action. Wisdom, the reason why wisdom isn't fortitude is because wisdom will help you to never have to put yourself into the situation where you would have to constantly rely on fortitude. Wisdom is the difference between coping and dealing with something and eradicating it so you don't have to cope anymore. 
And so that is why the wise, the, the wealthy recognize that wisdom first will help you to be able to use fortitude sparingly so, so you don't always wear yourself out. Okay, I hope that's making sense to y'all because this is my balm in Gilead. This is my medicine. <laughs> this is this is where I go as I'm trying to continue to grow and and to evolve into the person that I've got my sights on being. Not there yet, not by a long shot, but this is helping. So let's get on because we got we got a few more before before we go. All right, so the wealthy recognize how to decipher and pierce illusions, traps, and trickery. Now, you will see wealthy, rich, you know, with the with the monies and stuff. And people always wonder, well, why is it whenever I want to go and do this or, or be exposed to that, that I've got to go through a background check or I have to sign a non-disclosure? It's because they are able to pierce through the illusions, the traps, and the trickery that you have And sometimes that you're not even aware of that you have, but they're able to see it clearly. See, because they have a knowing, and this is part of what wisdom will give you. There's a knowing that comes uh, with who's behind this deceit? Who is this person, this entity, this instance? Who's driving this? What's the creator or the author's uh, modus operandi? What's important to them? What's driving them to try to do this? And as you'll notice, the wealthy are always attacked by those who would think that they would separate them from their wealth. When we think of heist and burglars and all this kind of stuff, there are people who have this weird feeling that they are entitled to what the wealthy have when they don't understand what true wealth is. And yeah, sure enough, I have seen many times when uh, people have thought that they have separated the wealthy from their wealth only to realize that the wealthy got it back faster and those who stole it or took it couldn't keep it because they didn't have this. Now, I am not talking about money. I'm not talking about riches. I'm talking about true wealth. It is a difference. A lot of wealthy people do have riches, but not all. So don't make that confusion that I'm just talking about people who have a lot of stuff, because that is not the same. Okay, but let's keep on. All right. So they also know uh, the cost of consequences. Oh, I'm sorry. I want before I talk about the cost of consequences, because I'm looking at my time, y'all. I'm just like, it's never enough time. But let me just go back a little bit before I, I move on from being able to see and pierce illusions, traps, and trickeries. So not only do they know who's behind a concept, they have enough exposure and experience to be able to have enough in their database to know what does this remind me of? Where have I seen this before? So the wealthy have a lot of experience or they are able to partner with people who have a lot of experience to be able to decipher and discern, like I said, these illusions, traps and trickeries. They know what the exact opposite looks like. They know what the true looks like. So it's kind of like trying to pass off forgeries. They know what is sincere because sincere is actually a term that came out of artisans who made uh, craft signing their names in that's how we say sincerely in your name to authenticate their work as opposed to knockoffs and forgeries. So they're very well versed in what is sincere 
and what is false. And they know what's at stake and what is too good to be true. Because going back to that trilogy and things, they have self-restraint, they have self-control, and they have self-awareness as uh, as well as self-management. And so they don't get excited by something that seems to be too good to be true. And and those who would bring them those types of things uh, stand out like a sore thumb because they're able to pierce the veil of your traps and your trickery. And here's a big one. And this is kind of where I started uh, with wisdom many years ago. Learning symbols, etymology, context, codes, and metaphor. They are masters of it and they recognize it in others. They recognize the seeds of it as well as the application of it in others. Because they have a language that is happening at the same time that you might be thinking that you're having a conversation with the wealthy, and you are on one level. But as they're speaking to you, they're speaking to others like them at the same time because of this masterful use of symbols, etymology of words, context, codes, and metaphors. And so they understand this and they recognize it and they're able to communicate on a higher level, a higher vibration than regular folk because it takes some work. So now I'm ready to talk about the cost of consequences. So (laughs) they understand that it's going to be the initial effort given to something that is going to give the biggest boost of return. They understand the law of depreciation. They understand how to get into that sweet spot. Remember, they recognize when someone is in, is in their pocket where they're neither hoarding or foolishly sacrificing because they do it. And because of that, when they look at consequences, they are always counting up the cost of how much initial effort will I get for return before they even start. And if that initial effort for return does not outweigh or overproduce from the consequences of their actions, they're going to step away from it. There's this concept that I talked about a long time ago on one of my podcasts uh, about the understanding of, and here, here's some metaphor for you, pioneers, migrators, and settlers. And what the wealthy understand is they understand when to be each. So when you talk about the pioneers, those are going to be the people who go into uh, something that's new, innovative, and they take the most damage. But The wealthy understand when to be a pioneer because they've counted up the cost and they know what the initial effort, what that big return is going to give them. And they know whether or not it's worth it to to take that damage because being first is going to overshadow all of the consequence that comes with the damage that people are going to heap on them or the mistakes they're going to make for not knowing, you know, going into the unknown. Whereas If it's time to be a migrator, this is going to be that second wave. This is going to be those people who pivot and shift like we talked about. They know when to shift and pivot. They're going to be like your early majority. They're going to wait for the folks to take the most damage and get out of the way. So it's time for them to come in and stake their claim and uh, get the market share and get the bounty uh, without all of those deadly consequences of having been the first movers. And then the next one is, is sometimes they understand when to be a settler. And to be a settler is to mean that you come in and you move in with permanency. You start to establish yourself. 
Sometimes you even rest on your laurels, but you're here to stay. And they know when to come in and settle a matter, a thing, a place, a concept. They know when to take ownership. And so with that cost of consequences, they understand that for every action, there's an equal reaction. And they understand that because of every action having a reaction, their efforts to bring the best returns have got to be worth it. And they understand when and how to move. Uh, And so if you have a person who is wealthy and you want them to recognize you, you want them to partner with you, invest with you, or whatever it is, be your friend, whatever, understand that they understand the true cost of cause and effect and of consequences. And not only that, they understand what initial effort the returns or the boost of return is going to bring. And if you come in foolhardy and do not understand that you're going to be taking unnecessary losses through foolhardy sacrifice because you want to be first, you want to be a pioneer, they're probably not going to fool with you, especially if they realize that the better position is to wait till the pioneers and the migrators come in and do what they can. And then they can just come in and settle. Then they will. Now, the next thing that this, this is important that I am still grappling with. And there's this concept that the further separated you are from something, the more likely you're not able to see it. So think of if you had a pile of sugar and you had a microscope and you're looking at the sugar, you can see every granule. But the further away you move to the point where you don't even need the microscope, the less you're able to see the granules and the more you're able to see the white powder of the of the pile to the point where you move out and it might just look like a white little splat on a surface. And so because of that, the wealthy understand the need and the reasons to control the narrative on the ground because they are separated from that granular level but they understand that when you control the narrative, you control collateral damage, you help to continue to strengthen and bolster the culture beneath you. You are looking at understanding how to create the leverage needed to propel the most people forward. And so they don't move and act like the rich, the moneyed, or the masses. We talked about that the other day really quickly because my time is gone. There are different levels, whether you want to accept them or not. So at the bottom, you've got the bottom cast, the people, the throw-offs, nobody else. I mean, they take the most brunt of all the stuff. Then after that, you have your, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, your masses, the middle class working people, if you want to. Then after that, you've got your moneyed. Those are your uh, rich who are usually going to be in some kind of entertainment because they have a lot of interaction with the masses. Then above them are going to be your business, your investors, your politicians, what we would call the powered. And then above that are going to be your elites. And that's where the wealthy are. They are the elites. And so because of that, they move in large movements because they understand the impact of what happens if they do something up there how it impacts that those granules of sugar below. And so when you are trying to move and do, and especially if you want to become wealthy, you will learn these and so many other lessons of things only the wealthy recognize. So guess what? Yeah, my time is up. I thank you for yours. This has been Michelle Spivey, your Practical Priestess of Wisdom with another Wisdom Smack. Bye. 
And that's going to do it for today's podcast of Wisdom Smack with Michelle Spiva. If you like this podcast, please help us get the word out. Like, comment, subscribe, and even share. And if you really like it, please help us continue to get the word out by considering using this show's link for Amazon. So when you want to go to Amazon and you do all of your general shopping, uh, please use michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. It's simple as that. It doesn't cost you anything extra. And this show might receive a little bit of commission that will go towards helping to further get these episodes out to you and to others. So thank you so much for listening. This has been Michelle Spiva with Wisdom Smack. Bye.